0: Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond, and I'll be your host once again this week. It is uh, March 31st, 2016, and I'm going to be joined by Mr. Mike Howerton and Mr. Mark Cantrell. How are you guys doing today? I Well, thank you. Good,
1: good. Glad to be home.
0: Yeah, you just got back from China. We'll we'll go into that, uh, your China trip uh, here in just a second. But uh, first, we'll hit up a couple of headlines for what's going on this week. Uh, we got, uh, let's see, the White Diamonds event is going on tomorrow. I think it starts on the 1st, runs through the 3rd. That's going to be, uh, you can check into that. Uh, let's see, that's, uh, who is that? That's uh, Big Truck. Isn't it? Uh, Ray Hansen. Pool action TV. PoolActionTV.com. That's a fact, yeah. And let's see what else is going on. The Wyoming Open is about to kick off a little bit later in the show. Uh, Mark Cantrell is going to be talking with uh, Lenny Marshall about the festivities uh, surrounding that event. So you'll, you'll want to stick around for that. And uh, let's see, a couple of weeks away, still, we got to go for the uh, Super Billiard Expos coming up. And the U.S. opens after that. And let's see. Oh, yeah. And, Mike, did you hear that Pat announced his uh, Make It Happen one-pocket extravaganza?
2: I did. Uh, Efren and Tony Chohan, I guess, are the the first two players invited. And, yep. I mean, you know an invitation means they're going to be there.
0: Yeah, they will probably be there. Um, are you going to try to get in on some of that? <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna see if they uh if my fans will will uh vote pay in pay to have me invited. Yeah. or maybe we could get Mark in on that. You know, he's a ringer. I mean he could Yeah, yeah, yeah I be gotta
2: get... have Mark playing. <laughs> I, I gonna... think Mark was a, a one pocket aficionado. No yeah,
1: yeah. I'm gonna get... listen, if you got have a GoFundMe account to enter the freaking one pocket even
0: though it's an invitational <laughs> then you know, you got a problem. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, headlines. You got me all rattled. Now I want Mr. Uh, Mike to tell the fans out there, um, about his fantastic experience in China. Uh, I have never been to any countries in Asia, so I'm pretty fascinated about, uh, with what that would have been like. So, uh,
1: you can, know, you, can you tell us from the beginning as well from the airplane, Mike? I well, mean coach business class, first class? <laughs> how long is the flight? No, I'm serious. I want to know. I'll give I'll you work. all the gory
2: details.
0: Uh, Beautiful. I'm gonna just hang up with Mark. He doesn't get to talk anymore. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. You're tell us a rare form today. I know. Let 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 uh, let's That's hear a real about question.
1: this. <laughs> a little question for anybody who, who wants to go and say, hey, I want to go see the China 8-ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know what is the process? How hard is it? Do you need a visa to go there? Is, uh, You know, if you go cold, is, is, how long is the flight? Do they feed you on the plane? I'm, I'm sorry. Right. First, first, it's,
2: it's okay, first of all, it's not Chinese. It, it is Chinese 8-ball that they play, but it's referred to as the China Billiard World
0: Championship. China Billiard World Championship. Gotcha.
2: And and they were you know they wanted to make sure that I got that right, which
0: you know it's understandable. Sure, sure, absolutely.
2: It took place in Yushan, China, which is a, a much smaller town. Uh, we flew into Shanghai, and then we had to take a bullet train for about two and a half hours to get to Yushan. Um, on the way back, we actually got. Too late to start, and had to drive it back. But I don't know. I slept most of that trip. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, now, Mark, they they have a stage one out there where you can play to try to qualify for the main events, and we had three Americans go out there and play. So,
0: wow.
2: You know, next year, I, I think you should look <laughs> into that. <laughs> Definitely. What, <laughs> what? a waste of my money that would be? <laughs> <laughs> they actually. Um, and, and let me back up a second. Uh, the people who took care of me for the trip were uh, the the girl who won the WPBA Regional Tour Championship two years ago, Zha uh, Li. She and her husband Feng were the ones that, that we were dealing with for the trip. Um, and I was actually talking to Feng one night, or we were swapping emails, and he said, well, wouldn't it just be easier if I called you? And I said, well, yeah, it would, but... I'm getting ready to go into a, ma- a game right now. It was on league night that he called me. And all of a sudden then it dawned on him, well, if you're playing league, then you must play pool too. And I said, well, I, I don't know if I'd consider it really playing pool, but, you know, I like to hit balls on a bar table. And, and I know what he was you, getting come to to it. was, you know, <laughs> do you want to play? He asked me, do you want to play in stage one? And I said, no, absolutely not. And I, said, I have no desire whatsoever to get out there and play pool.
0: Those uh, tables looked tough. Uh, now, is it just a, 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 a nine-foot table? Is that correct? It's a nine-foot table with snooker-cut yes. uh,
2: tight pockets. Right. And possibly just as important, uh, a very slow cloth.
0: Okay. So okay.
2: It, it changed. I, I mean, for the poor people that were trying to watch the stream that we did, the first day or so at least, it really took me some time to get used to the patterns because they're completely different. Yeah. You know, you think, well, oh, it's eight ball. It doesn't really matter, you know, on a bar table, a nine-foot table, or a 12-foot table, it's eight ball. It's always eight ball. But it's it's completely different. You know, the the slow cloth meant that they played shots differently. You You didn't open up your game. You didn't... You wouldn't cut a ball in and go to the rail intentionally to come back to position because the slow cloth meant you could kill the cue ball so easily. It right. changed up a lot of things. Sure, sure. And D- then, does, it,
1: you know, does the cloth have a nap
2: to it, Mike?
1: Is that what's making yeah, it soft? Yeah. Okay.
2: Very okay. much like the old IPT cloth. Okay. Huh. Um, And then with the pockets cut the way they were, you didn't shoot a ball down the rail. So... I mean, I've I've watched and I've commentated eight ball before. It's pretty straightforward. They break the balls. You look for the clusters, and you say, "Oh, okay. Well, there's there's three stripes tied up there, so he's probably going to shoot solids." But out there, a ball that was on the rail was tied up. You know, they they would have to get shaped to not you know to move that ball off the rail. And you would think, well, man, it's just a, a shot down a rail, but it, it's not that simple. It it really was something that they very seldom tried.
0: Right, right. Yeah, because cause you can't cheat the pocket at all. I mean, there is no cheating pocket. Oh, no, no. Do you know the official especially, opening? Especially not with that angle. Yeah, do you, do you know the uh, official opening size of the pockets? No.
2: Uh, I'm sure I could find out. I mean, I posted, well, actually, our listeners won't know because I I didn't post it publicly on Facebook, but... I posted some uh, some pictures of the, the pockets and and with balls in them and you know between the tight pockets and the way the pockets were cut, it, the number of balls that that came out of the pocket, you know, that jarred out anything where they really had to stroke the ball. Now, except for the top Chinese players, they seem to have it down, but any kind of an angle coming into the pocket, you know, if you weren't coming into uh, you know, straight into the face of the pocket. It, it was it was no gimme for you to fire a ball in. I mean, right, they didn't right, fire balls in. Period. Right. Right. Did
1: you did you play like did you play on one at least one rack or anything just to get a feel yeah. for it?
2: Yeah. No, I didn't have a cue and I I didn't feel comfortable. I mean, you might want to walk up to Darren Appleton and say, "Hey, man, can I use your cue? I want to try it out on this table." But I, I don't do that. I
1: I had this conversation because you, I'm just following along with your what you when you're talking about the, the, the tables and how hard it is to, to play on them. And just kind of, it's mainly down to the cut of the pocket. Is uh, you can get around the nap on the cloth, the slow table, uh, but yeah. the, the game changes with the, the you know the curve pocket, the cushions or the curve. Um, would you think uh, that it'd be a good idea for somebody who is a top professional who wanted to uh, play not just in Chinese 8-ball, but obviously excel in regular 9-ball US Open to get one of those tables in the house instead of getting a different table? Uh, because I know, and the reason I say this, when I first came to America, all I ever played was snooker. Okay, I didn't play pool. I've just played snooker. And I came here, and you put me on a, a bar table, and I couldn't miss. It didn't matter about shape. I could make balls from almost anywhere. So if you get used to that pocket being so difficult, would it be advantageous to just practice full time on that no. Chinese eight ball table?
2: No, I don't no. think so. I think the pockets. I think they change the game and they change the patterns so much. Um, I mean, sure, if you could put in eight or ten hours a day on it, and and really, I mean, if you could play Shane speed on that table, then I don't imagine anybody would ever beat you on any table ever. But I think if you spent 8 to 10 hours practicing on one of those tables every day, they'd lock you up within about a month. I, I mean, you'd just be crazy. I mean, you'd want to go out and get a table made with outside pockets or something like that. <laughs> that's no, who no, would no, do
1: something stupid like that? Come on.
2: No, that's nobody. come on.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Anybody would be stupid enough to do that and probably play for like ten grand or something
2: you know, what the, you hell? know the you know it, even though that was meant to a joke, those tables are the exact opposite of that table that Earl has
3: in that
2: not only did you have to to move a ball if it was on the rail, but ideally you moved it so it was in front of a side pocket. I would imagine if someone did stats for the, the the events in China as to how many balls were pocketed in the side pocket, I'd be willing to bet it's twice as many as as happens on a regular table.
0: Yeah, yeah, you would think so. You would think so. Well, yeah, it, it, that's interesting. Yeah, it puts a it puts a twist on it. That's for sure. That's for sure.
1: So carry on, Mike. What, what's what's uh, what else is? Uh, how about the food? Was
2: the food good? Um, I, I don't need rice with every meal. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you, Sean, had one American restaurant, which was a KFC. You know, we were in Shanghai for a day, and Shanghai had a McDonald's and had a Burger King and uh, Subway stuff like that. But uh, but you, Sean, and and don't get me wrong they took great care of us. You know, it, anytime we needed anything, if we mentioned we were hungry, it was, what do you need? What are you hungry for? Uh, we had a room that we were doing the broadcast in. And I mentioned when we first got in there, that it was a little bit warm within 10 minutes. They had a fan, somebody brought a fan in for us. I mean, they really took outstanding care of us. We wanted for nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, nice. I, I, the biggest thing, if somebody hasn't checked out the photos from the opening ceremony that we posted on AZB, yeah. that was one of the most amazing things to witness in in the time that I've covered pool. Yeah, I can't um, yeah. They kept telling us, you know, well, we're gonna, there's gonna be this great opening ceremony, and you know, they we really want to make sure that you're there for it. And and I'm thinking, well, you know, I've been to opening ceremonies before, and and they were cool, but, you know, it's fun to watch, and that's about it. China took the opening ceremony to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, (laughs) They had open-air buses. They've had probably a half a dozen of them, but they loaded the players onto. And they shut down the streets, in the the city of Yushan. So they paraded these players through Yushan, thousands and thousands of fans lining the roads with cardboard posters of the players. We finally, you know, this goes on for maybe a mile or so, and we get to the venue where the opening ceremony is going to be. And they've got a great big red carpet laid out. The players come off the buses. They take the red carpet to this big poster with all the sponsor names on it. (laughs) So each of the players stops, and they sign this poster with a Sharpie. And they're broadcasting this on Chinese television. It was like the red carpet from the Oscars.
0: You you would hear
2: the announcer, and, and he would be talking in Chinese, and you wouldn't understand what he was saying, and then, but
0: and then you, then know, he, you
2: could hear the tone of his voice getting more and more excited, and then finally <laughs> he'd
0: say, Darren
2: Appleton, and the crowd would just go crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, I've never seen anything like it before.
0: And they announced, Mike Howerton, and the <laughs> yeah. crowd went wild. Huh?
2: <laughs> on, a, on a side note that okay. has nothing to do with the spectacle of the opening ceremony, they put us in a bus for the media. So we're going to take this other bus to the the venue Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I'm with JP. Now JP's probably the best photographer in the billiards business right now.
0: Sure.
2: Um, He's with me and he says, Oh, he says, I've got to get some pictures of this. So he grabs his camera. He leaves his big camera case in the bus. He jumps out the front door and I figure he's just stepping out a foot or two and taking pictures. Well, maybe 10 minutes later, I guess the bus driver gets a notification or something on his on his phone and he shuts the door and starts moving. And I said, Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he stops and opens the door and I pop out. There's no JP to be found. Oh no. And I look all over for him.
0: Oh no. I can't find
2: him. So I I got back in the bus and I said, Okay and he shut the the door and we left. Oh no. And you know, you think about it, he didn't have his media credentials. He didn't have his invitation to the opening ceremony. He doesn't speak Chinese. Oh, no. We were dealing with Wi-Fi on our phones. The only time that we were able to even swap text messages was when we had a Wi-Fi connection.
0: Oh, wow.
2: Um, I guess what happened is finally where he was taking pictures, the bus near him moved, and he thought, oh, crap, The my bus is gone. So he just jumped on a bus. And the driver told him no. The driver said, this isn't your bus, and you can't get on here. And fortunately, uh, Karim from Predator was on the bus, and he told the driver that it was fine. And that got him to the venue. And uh, I guess he must have ran into uh, Gia. And finally, by the time I waited outside for a little while, and then I walked into the place where the opening ceremony was, uh, he was right there. So it all worked out, but I imagine that had to have been scary as hell.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Dang.
2: That's a, that's a good story.
0: That's a great story.
2: It he was telling me, he says, well, you know, I figured I could just turn on data on my phone, and then I could call you, and I said, JP, I don't have data on my phone turned on. You could be calling me, but I wouldn't get the call till I got back to the state.
0: Oh, no. right. oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I can't believe that you abandoned JP like that, Mike. Oh, my goodness. Hey, what are you going to do? I'm, like, I'm going
2: to try to <laughs> the bus driver. Excuse me. My friend says that. And off the, the bus was like, yeah, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. Wow. That would suck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. That's, uh, woof. So, woof. I'm going to have to give JP a little bit of a razzing about that. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, he uh, he posted a bunch of pictures today on Facebook of uh, of players from the tournament. They are some great shots in there. Cool,
1: cool stuff. Yes, yeah, I saw I saw a video um, Chris Mellon uh, uh, that he took video from his phone while he was on the top deck of the bus. You know the open air bus that you're talking about this yeah. is unbelievable, you know, and, and the the crowds and like you said, people holding signs of and, uh, and their favorite players and just treat them like uh, superstars. Uh, it has got to be a little bit of a calm down when they come back here, and that, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a, one of those Uber cabs to to get to the the venue, and then they might not even let them in. Yeah.
0: Mike, did they when you were doing commentary, were they um were were they videoing you while you were giving the commentary, or was it just audio only? No.
2: Um, what they did is one of the Chinese television stations was covering the event, right? And they were handling all of the streaming. so they were they were handling all the video side of things. All I had was a little room that might have been, I don't know, 15 by 15, with a table and two chairs and a big TV. So I was watching what the cameras were were taping.
0: Right, right. And we had
2: two microphones in there. Okay. Um, Okay. I mean, I could get up and I could step out and I could see the venue,
0: but... I really had no need to. Yeah, um, no, no. I was just wondering so if, if your face was appearing on Chinese T V for during the event. That's what I wanted. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> if if we, were, were,
2: were, we were off in a separate room. Yeah. And you know, the nice thing was when it was when it was prime time and it was two really well known players, um we would get the video feed that they were using for Chinese T V with all the different camera angles.
0: Yeah, and sure.
2: All of the different computerized bells bells and whistles which were pretty amazing. Awesome. And I from what I saw, it looked like that local T V station was also streaming the matches. Mm. So okay. during the finals, we had eleven hundred people watching it in the States and they had over three hundred thousand watching it in China.
1: Wow! Oh my God! You, got
2: to you know, kid, that was just the stream. Lord knows how many were watching on
0: TV. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Three hundred thousand on the stream.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know a lot of people watching on TV. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I would guess. If, if it was me, if I let's just say some uh, soccer World Cup final, I mean, I want to watch it, and it's being streamed on the internet. And it's also on TV at the same time. I know which one. I'm going to watch it on my big screen. So sure. the 300,000 300, that was watching on the internet is going to be the lesser number of the two. Oh, absolutely. I'm I
0: mean,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, as an educated guess, I would say. I would yeah. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, they had millions
2: watching on TV. That is, well, you know.
0: Well, that means. told
1: told a story about. I'll, I'll make it real quick. That he had him do a trick shot, and uh, they, for for something that was going on in China, I do not even know what it was, but it was some pool tournament that was in China, and he makes the you know the shot where you make uh, fifteen balls in one shot, and he makes the shot, and he said, "Who? Ah, there you go. Oh, he took one take." They said, no, no, that was live. He said, it was live? They probably would have been able to hold his kids. He said, how many people were watching? They said, there might have been 6 million people watching. Right. He oh, said, yeah. He's like, I, I wouldn't have even been to hold my cue if I knew that 6 million people were watching You know that, that shot. So God only knows how many. Because they love, they love it in China.
2: They love pool. Sure. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, think about the kind of pressure that the Chinese players were in yeah, playing in the finals. I mean, you win, and your government's going to subsidize you for Lord knows how much money.
0: Yeah,
2: and you've basically got your entire country cheering on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the kind of. I mean, you know, we all like to joke about Earl, but you know, that's that's the kind of feeling that Earl has when he plays a foreign player here in the U.S. He feels that he's representing the United States. I mean think right. about representing China.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean not to mention if you were uh uh si Min Chen, you were facing Kelly Fisher, who's I mean Brutal. she's one of the top female pool players alive. Yeah. And and on the men's side, uh you're facing Mick Hill who Darren Appleton and Chris Milling both commented that they felt that Mick Hill was the best tactical eight-ball player on the planet. Hmm. Wow!
0: And he 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 and almost was, pulled it off it too.
1: Was uh, yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Was Mick Hill was it wasn't this like his first major event?
2: Well, he, he's a he's an English eight-ball player. He's He's uh defending multi-time English 8-ball champion.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, but he's not. Uh, well, okay. I don't know. I, 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 I should know the answer to this, but I'm not sure how big English 8-ball is in Europe and England. Uh, but it's, it's. I don't think it's, uh, when I say a major event, it's not like the U.S. Open or World No, no. or anything like that.
2: It, it's not snicker, that's for sure mm yeah.
0: No, it's the lesser. Yeah,
2: so, I mean, this was... It was still a major payday for him. Yeah. I mean, that was a major payday for anybody. You win that event.
0: Yeah, heck yeah, man. They ain't messing around. That's a lot of rice.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> you had a I good mean, time, though? You know, that's your most, your most memorable part of the trip. What, 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 what would it be if you were... I'm not been to China. If you were to tell me, Mark, next year, go to the Chinese World Eight ball eight ball world champion, Chinese, whatever however you want to word it, um, what would you suggest I do when I go other than, you know, just go watch the tournament?
2: Well, and that's that's the thing. When I go to a tournament, I don't I, I don't go to sightsee or anything like that. I, I just I want to go and I want to work the tournament and and I realize that when I get older I'll probably kick myself for it, but I just don't you know, I don't think about anything other than the tournament, but, you know, even just that, it was such an amazing experience. You know, the, the hospitality that they showed, uh, I mean, prime example is I'm diabetic, so I have to drink diet soda, and I can't stand drinking water. I mean, I drank bottle after bottle after bottle of water out there, and and finally, uh, like on the second day, they said they were going to get something to eat and did I want something? And I said, Yeah, can you give me a diet soda? I, I really, I, I just want something carbonated. And they said, There's no diet soda. And I said, What do you mean there's no diet soda? And they said, There's no diet soda in Yushan. I was, like, oh, I, wow. I, just, I was floored. <laughs> so the next day, they show up with a case of Coke Zero that they special ordered online and had it next day to the venue so that I would have diet soda. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh Wow. I mean, you tell me, Mark, you you think Barry's going to do that for you at the US Open this year?
1: (laughs) I'm not sure about Barry would do anything for me. Um, But that's... uh, it, that's really cool. And yeah, yeah, it is. I wish that there was more of it, you know, everywhere. But, you know, those Chinese have got a lot of pride and honor. Like when you're talking about the player playing uh, for the, you know, in the final and the whole Chinese population are watching him and how much pressure is on his shoulders and, and, but, and, and they've got... I think he's, I, can't, I can't say his first his name, but it's she, right? I who yeah. won. I I think right. um, I can't imagine how much pressure he had on on him without the money. Take the money out of it, because of God, like I said, the, the Japanese got all this honor and integrity about him that losing would
2: crush him. You know? oh, yeah, and then toss him at the match went hill hill.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the final's going hill,
2: hill. You come down to one game.
0: Yep. Yep. That's an insane... Well, it seems like they've got
1: they've got a lot of pride and honor, and, and and it's not just from the players' standpoint. I guess the promoters also have, and sponsors, etc., also have that amount of pride in saying, hey, this is an event that we put on, we made it for everybody, not just the players, treating them... I mean, if they're treating, treating you like that, Mike, what are they, how would they treat Darren Appleton and she, uh, she, who ended up winning it, and the other players? How, how do you think they're, because they're the real stars here? Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's true.
1: If they're going to treat you like that, what are they treating them like? That must be yeah. unbelievable. I'd say good. I wish, yeah. it. I wish there was more of it. I wish it was more of it, man, if we had more money in... Uh, or a government backing us? Is, 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 is it the government that
2: puts on these things, Mike? Um, Star Billiards had, did a lot of it. And, you know, from conversations that we've had uh, about American companies, and, you know, we've talked about how Brunswick, how their, their pool division is just a small portion of what they actually do, um, Star Billiards, the, the table company, Pool is a small part of what they do. I mean, it seems like even as much uh, effort and backing as they put into the tournament, it, it's it's just not important. I mean, I, don't get me wrong; it's it's very important to them, but you know, it's not like it's going to make or break their bottom line. They're that large a company, right? Uh, so they were the they were a big sponsor. Uh, the, the title sponsor was an elevator company. Uh, San Ling is an elevator company out there. <laughs> and then you toss in, you know, the cloth, you know, Andy Cloth and Cyclops Balls, and, you know, they, they had some good sponsors out there. But my understanding is that Star had a lot to do with it. And I actually had the, uh, the fortune of sitting in on a, uh, I guess you could say it was like a press conference, uh, with the president of Star Billiards. And it was kind of difficult because, uh, again, Zhao ja was trying to translate the questions that were coming to him from Chinese media and then his responses. And And I was able to ask him a couple of questions. And they are working on a uh, like a billiards university out there where it's not just going to be a part of the curriculum, it's going to be the curriculum. Hmm. Uh, They were talking about wanting to bring Chinese billiards to the States, uh, take it to Europe. So, I mean, they want to have the same kind of event that they just had
0: in Europe and the U.S. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, definitely... The elevator
1: company, it's, it's kind of funny. And uh, in, in said, or something in a way, the, the, an elevator company in China thought enough to put all this money into it. But look, if you can get, we, I, I can probably, I don't know, I'm going to get, make an educated guess. I think two million people watched it on TV in China? Oh, easily. Okay. If you're in the States and you've got a two million people audience watching on TV, you can get sponsorship.
0: Yeah. You can oh, get sure. all
1: kinds. It. But meanwhile, we're having a chase down industry people. The elevator companies are going, hell, we want to sponsor it. You know, outside like the golf. Here they want, they've got car companies. you got nothing to do with golf.
0: Yeah.
1: Car companies got nothing to do with golf. And elevators have got nothing to do with pool. But they've got the viewership there, the enthusiasm there, to get a couple of million people watching. And these companies are going to put the money in for it. Yep, right, and that's what we're missing here.
0: Yep, that's yeah. a fact. Oh
2: yeah. Well, you know, fans want to know what they can do to help pool, and and you know that's what that's one thing they can do is, well, it's one thing they could have done when pool was on, you know, ESPN regularly was was actually watch. Um, I wonder now since we're seeing so much. Pool that we used to see on television is now on ESPN three. I mean, I just wonder if we haven't dug so deep a hole that we're going to have a hard time getting out of it. As far as as that side of things.
0: Well,
1: I don't know
2: how they, I don't know how they measure. I'm sorry, Dave, I don't know no, how they right. measure the viewership in
1: China. Uh, you know, here we have the Nielsen ratings, and uh, at one point I was uh, a Nielsen call. And so whatever I did accounted for, I, I can't remember, it was like 750,000 or a million people or something like that. I don't think we've got the viewership that because it's, a, it's sporadic, you know, with the Nielsen stuff. It's not like everybody's got one, a box in their home. And so if there's one out of every hundred are going to wash pool, then what are the chances that one out of every hundred is a Nielsen home?
2: It's pretty small. So now you had a Nielsen box in your home, and you were representing a million viewers, and we don't get a million viewers watching pool on TV. I'm starting to see where the problem here is. (laughs)
3: Yeah, basically
0: pool is where it is because of you, Mark. Because you don't watch enough pool, Mark, apparently.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, they had had my computer, they put something in my computer, they put something in every TV in the house, and uh, with the TVs, it, was, it became annoying because you had another remote control. And if I, every 30 minutes, uh, something, the thing would start flashing and something would come on the screen. And if you didn't press, you had to press how many people are in your home and who's, you know, who's there watching. If you didn't press those buttons, it didn't register. They acted like you weren't watching TV. And so, every 30 minutes, you had to press these buttons to show that you were still watching TV.
0: That's crazy.
1: Um, and and they ended up firing me. <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I got fired by the Nielsen's rating people because <laughs> I told them that it makes sense. I liked the TV on that night when I was, what, you know, go to sleep. And they said... Well, you're not, you're watching TV. We know you're watching TV at night, but you're not pressing the buttons. Well, I'm not going to get up every 30 minutes and press the buttons. I said, so yeah. you, are you wanting me to press the buttons just to press the buttons? Or are you, because you, you're not getting a true thing here. If I, if I want, I'm not, I'm asleep. I'm not watching Gilligan's Island. I'm not watching it. Oh, you've got to press the buttons. I'm like, you're stupid, I'm not pressing the buttons. Anyways. <laughs> but then you what was doing on the internet, every time pool came on, I I watched pool, and I was worth 700, I can't remember what, 750,000 people uh, to a million, I, I, can't, I can't remember. And then the website I went on, easy Billiards. I just left it open all the time. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, That's
2: where all the horror numbers come from. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I'm, figuring, I'm, I'm figuring you owe me. Um, I don't know. Anyways,
2: uh, come to the first diamond stop. I'll buy you a beer. Uh, you oh, I've seen you twice in the last
1: year, and you probably won't be. <laughs> but it's, yeah, you, it's,
2: it's a three-time
0: thing. you got to come. I've got to see you three times. It's like a date. Didn't yeah. I get you a beer at Moscone? It's like uh, a yeah, dating thing, you know. You have to wait until at least the third date you skip again? Yeah, I don't put out just one, one or two dates. We have to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You gotta get to know them a little bit at least. Come on. All right, all right. We're putting the Jeez, listeners to sleep. Buy me to dinner, sleep. Mark. We're putting everybody to sleep. So yeah, buy them dinner and and then you know then maybe you can get somewhere with them. Um, we're gonna wrap <laughs> it up for this week. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, stick around uh, a little bit for. <laughs> I got visions of you guys going on a date in my head, and this is really bad. We'll talk to you next week, right here on American Billiard Radio.
1: Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report. Uh, This is Mark Cantrell. I am your host. And uh, this week, you know, there's a couple of things going on. one in particular that starts tomorrow is the um, Wyoming Open. And so I spoke to, uh, it's funny actually, I, I, I've got Lenny Marshall, first Lenny from the forums, on the, on here with me. How are you doing, Lenny? Good. How are you doing, Mark? Good. It's funny, you know, we live in the same town and I always seem to talk to you when the, one of us is not in town.
4: <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs>
1: uh, First of all, you, you're up there at the Wyoming Open, uh, and you had a little bit of a, a travel experience there with uh, uh, my friend and yours, Johnny Archer and Rodney Morris. Uh, we saw that you, it started snowing a little bit. So uh, t- tell us just a little bit about your trip. I know that right starts with Rodney being delayed for I don't know how long.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, Johnny and I, uh, Johnny flew in from Atlanta and, uh, I flew in from Phoenix and, and Rodney from uh, Sacramento, we had to meet in Denver. But uh, all of our flights, you know, like me and Johnny made it in just fine, but we had to wait
1: about uh, six to eight hours for Rodney to get in
4: because his flight got delayed four times.
1: Wow. No. It's, it's Having to sit in an airport with Archer for <laughs> six to eight hours. I mean, seriously, that could make you want to say, look, I'll just get on another plane going home. I I'll, I won't call. Matter <laughs> of fact,
4: yeah. Well, yeah. John, John, Johnny's uh, well, he's got lots of stories to keep you entertained. So, you know, you get pass the time with him.
1: Yeah, and uh, and so eventually, uh, Rodney shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he arri- he arrives,
4: and, and we, at first we didn't we didn't know if his bags got there.
1: We got a little
4: scared, and we got got his bags. You know, we all jumped in this minivan, and you know, had to drive all the way up to uh, from Denver to. Um, get to Saratoga, Wyoming. But with the weather and all the snow, we had to stop off, uh, overnight in, uh, Laramie and get a hotel there and, and then soldier back on, uh, the next day, you know, uh,
1: over the mountain and through the woods, you know, <laughs> but, uh, whose decision was it that, okay, the snow, is getting too bad. We got to stop. Well,
4: I think actually they might've, uh, closed down the highway and it got pretty bad, you know, with the snow and, and we were just told, uh, Hey, you guys better, uh, you know, shack up at and Laramie, and you know, head out the next day if the weather is okay. And there was a little bit of a break in the weather, so we decided to, you know, get in here before it got any worse.
1: Man, you got you got lucky, got a hotel room.
4: Yeah, yeah, we we we, we were pretty lucky. We, we stayed at that Comfort Inn in the Laramie, and they treated us
1: really good. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you see, I figured that you know you, you got to a certain point, and because. I've had a snowstorm experience with Johnny and mm-hmm. but, uh, Nick Vaughn we thought we seriously thought this is a, we're in trouble here. And then just recently Johnny got had to get pulled out of a ditch or something. Uh yeah, because that. of that snowstorm. And now here you are again, the snow's coming down. I thought maybe Johnny had gone, Okay, y'all we got to we just got to get done pulled over. We gotta get just pulled over. We're not going no place out tonight. <laughs>
4: Yeah, he, he was he was more than happy to to pull over and stay in a Laramie. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know, no. but, we, but he, he definitely uh you know he he definitely is not a fan of uh, the snow and definitely not getting stuck. <laughs> it,
1: uh, what So uh, what? Where, where is the uh, the, the uh, Wyoming Open held? Where is it held at?
4: It's in uh, Saratoga, Wyoming, and it's at the uh, Platte Valley Community Center. That's where they have it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty nice uh community center and um you know, we've got a good amount of tables in there. I, I want to say there's what what did I count? Maybe about 20 some 30 some tables. You know, so it's a good a good good event, you know, and uh you got some of the best players, you know, in the world coming uh and playing in it. You got Shane boning obviously Rodney and Johnny and uh I know uh Chanel Lorraine's going to be making an appearance because there's a a women's division too. Um I know Handel flying all the way in from london uh you know we, we definitely got some great players coming in and, and playing in this tournament and, and you can watch it you know
1: uh live online so yeah, what was um that surprises me so a community i didn't know that i thought it would be a pool
4: no no it's a it's at a community center and it's a a good place to host tournament and uh you know we welcome all the fans to come out who want to watch if uh, they're able to make it. Uh, the weather's uh, cleared up, and so it's easy to get into Saratoga now.
1: Yeah. You, what, what's, what's the added money on this tournament? Uh,
4: it's 10000 added, I believe, in the uh, Masters division. Um, and, and, you know, there's 8-ball, 10-ball, uh, and Saratoga, which is a hybrid of 8-ball and 9-ball, you know, it's a rotation eight ball, basically. And uh, Saratoga's a really cool uh, game. And I-, I think people who, you know, might be getting a little tired of playing some eight ball and nine ball and want to mix it up could uh, play this game. And, and you can find the rules online. Uh, I know you can go to wy- and You can get more information. Um, and with the game of Saratoga, I mean, it- it's just a really cool game and a
1: fun game to play. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, I think uh, – I- I've only heard of it because of the Wyoming Open, Uh, but from what I've heard, people like
4: it. It's it's a cool game, and you can watch it, uh, you know, if if people are interested in it, they can watch it on the stream, and if they happen to miss it, you know, we get all the videos up online on uh, YouTube and uh, probably uh, AZB TV, their uh, Vimeo channel. So, you know, people can watch it and uh, get a feel, you know, get a feel for the game and you know, play it in their own pool room because you can use a regular eight-ball set if you need to, but they do have a, a specialized Saratoga set that's going to be being released, uh, I want to say, sometime over this year. And, uh, you know, it's it's just just a real neat game, you know, and, and
1: enjoyable to play. Yeah. I, 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 I You know, what? I'd probably like to give it a shot, but I haven't played pool in I don't know how long. I was at a meeting today. Uh, a, a retailer, uh, you know, Pool Billy's retailer here in town, yeah. in Scottsdale, and uh, you got all those tables there, and we chit-chat, and he goes, oh, you want to hit a couple balls? You want to play it? And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I really don't want to play. I going to bounce for myself a <laughs> to stop playing now. But uh, so what? what is the, you're, are you streaming everything, or you're just streaming the Masters division? I'm streaming. Uh, I'm streaming everything. We'll be starting,
4: uh, kicking off tomorrow, uh, and it will be probably around five or six PM. We'll be getting started here, and it's, it's going to be probably running late into the night, and then you know we'll be back again the next day and just doing it, you know, throughout the weekend. But uh, it's it's something that if you tune in and watch, you're going to get exposed to a new game. You're going to get to see some of the you know top players in the country battling it out and. You know, I wouldn't miss it if uh, you're out there
1: listening. Now, what what is the, the Masters division? What is that? I, said, I don't know. I'm going to guess. People are going to tune in for the Saratoga uh, and see what it's all about, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's fans of it. Uh, but the Masters event where you've got, you know, some top professionals playing, what is, what is that? Is it nine ball or ten ball? Well, we have um, eight ball and
2: ten ball
4: and the Saratoga so there's a there's three different uh, you know games that are going to be played, and uh, but they're they're individual tournaments. Like the uh, ten ball will start on Friday, and then Saratoga starts on Saturday, and then the eight bowl will start on Sunday. So you know if you want to watch pool uh, you get a, you get a, this weekend you can get treated to you
1: know a bunch of different games. How lo- how long is this going on? Because I'm, I'm thinking. How what what's the field look like? Is that a big field of players? Well, they they basically have. A, I'm pretty sure it's a 32
4: person brackets. Uh, so it's not you know your okay. extremely large fields. Okay, so they can they can make this happen, but you know, like I said, they run early to late. You know, they it's you know a lot of play. These guys are going to be playing. You know, they're not playing short days here, so you can have some you know, some. Uh, Wait, pays. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. A lot of pull. like I said, a lot of pull for people to watch. So tune in. It's free as always from on the real TV.
1: Yeah, I, that's what I was, I was just gonna say. It's it's free. Um, it's T V dot com, and you can go there. do you, you, you need any anything at all? You can just start watching it, or give yourself yeah, a just uh, just can? And,
4: No, just go there and press play and, and enjoy yourself. You know. What are, the, what are the races, too, in the nine-ball and ten-ball, you know? Um, I think the races are pretty much determined by the size of the field. Uh, sometimes they'll either lengthen the races out if they have shorter fields, and if they have a um, full field, you know, like a, if they're doing a 32-man bracket, they might have a little bit shorter races. Uh, because from what, I, what I've heard, you know, and, and read on the flyers, is that races will be determined by the uh,
1: amount of people playing. Yeah, um, and then do they have a Calcutta? So I didn't I didn't mean Calcutta, I meant player auction.
4: Um, yeah, they, they have a, a player's auction too. Um, you know, I'm not too, too familiar with exactly, uh, you know, everything like that, but I think they donate uh, 10% to the Lions Club, uh, which is a, a sponsor and supporter. Okay.
1: Now, so um, after, after this... Um, it will end, it will end on Sunday, or will it end? When, when will it when,
4: end? It ends Sunday night. You know, Sunday night it it will be over
1: <laughs> the whole and event. The,
4: uh,
1: and the start the eight ball on Sunday.
4: Yes, it starts and it, it it's a it's a one day deal. You know, they bang it out in one day. Well, I guess it's this, is, like, guess this is twenty tables. Then oh yeah, yeah plenty of tables and uh, yeah, a great crew that runs it real smoothly, but. You know, like I said, we start at you know on Saturday we start at 9 a.m. You know, and then uh, Sunday we start at 10 a.m. So we're getting started pretty early where we can make it. You know, run run the tournament and make it happen in one day. But, so what 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 time
1: zone are you in? Uh, we're we're in a uh, mountain time, I believe. Okay. And it's, it's funny, you know, you got the Wyoming Open, and it's bringing people from London. You know, and Georgia and that kind of thing. It's just kinda of funny to me that all these well I guess Shannon is not far from Wyoming, is so where he lives. Uh um, no, from the mm-hmm. So it's kinda uh, all these Go ahead, I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, people yeah, people are traveling in from all over the place for this event. You know, and it's just it's just a great event and it's been going on. Uh, I wanna say this is the eighth or ninth event. You know, the year of it. So it, it's definitely uh one of those events where it's just keeps getting better and better each and every year. Uh a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes. Uh Monty Fair and E J Glow, they they just you know, they're they're amazing. They're they're a great team and, and they just get all the sponsors and, and, and supporters behind it and it's really a good thing for Uh, saratoga saratoga wyoming is just a beautiful place they got hot springs here everything it's just a a great place to come uh if you want a vacation you know it's just got that old western town type feel it's it's a real
1: great place to come yeah when i uh was texting well i was texting with you briefly on uh was it a couple days ago um i i i was saying I wish I was with you guys because it sounds like a blast. I've never been to that to that event. It sounds like a good time. So,
4: oh, it, it, it's a blast. It's, it's just a, it's just a great time, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, people around the area come into Saratoga to have a good time. You know, there's great food, drink, and you know, just great scenery. It's just a, it's just an awesome place, and then they can you know meet and rub elbows with the professional players that are coming into town.
1: Um, honest question: do, do you take any kind of medication when you're taking that three-hour drive with John? Oh, that's,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things when you're when you're. I mean. It was a pretty long, long drive, you know, because we had it. It was a few hours to go from Laramie. (laughs) And then it was another, like, two and a half hours from Laramie to Saratoga, you know, because of the weather. And it was just, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's funny all the stories you get to hear. And, uh, you know, but after a while, you're just, I think we all get sick of each
1: other for, uh, you know, moments. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so, after, so when this is over, what do you do? Are you coming back to Phoenix, or yeah. are You oh, okay? I didn't know if you were traveling on because I know I think Rodney and Johnny are uh, out to a few different places after. Um, oh yeah, they're, they're they're traveling on for sure. Yeah, they're they're they're
4: going to be going a few different stops. I believe after this, uh, you know, their schedules. Uh, a lot busier than mine and they have more frequent flyer miles that's for sure
1: yeah I, I think what's next is it the BCA trade show that's next after this
4: uh, it could be I think it might be the Super Billiard Expo it might be good, something that's going on
1: yeah so if you have something going on between so I know I, I I spoke to Johnny and he left he's like I'm going to be gone for like a month I'm, I might be home for a couple of days <laughs> at some point but he's not you know so I didn't know if you did any of the streaming out there um well that's that's about it i think uh, just wanted to make sure everybody had the information wyoming open is starting tomorrow at what time sorry Lenny. what time is it start tomorrow? Ah, people could probably tune around
4: tune in around 6 p.m and they'll be able to catch the stream uh and we'll be running late all night and then the same way uh the next day to be early in the morning until you know, who knows when we'll, we'll get over with, but, you know, just tune in on
1: therailtv.com. Sounds good. I appreciate your time, Lenny, and uh, hope you have fun out there. And uh, good luck to you. I'll be, I'll be tuning in because uh, I like free stuff.
4: <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for, right. thanks for the uh,
1: talk. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Lenny. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Well, that's it for this week's edition Correct. of Legends and Champions Report Uh, as that's lindy marshall tune in see if you can uh over this uh weekend catch yourself some good pool you know for free which is always nice so until next week we will speak to you then
3: Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. Proud to be joined this week by Raymond Lenaris, all the way from Miami, Florida. Raymond, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. Um, I'm looking at your website. It looks like you've got a pretty big schedule uh, between playing and coaching and training and working with sponsors. Uh, I mean, give me an idea what kind of you know, what does a day look like for you?
5: Um, well, uh yeah, it's been it's been quite the endeavor of getting everything together um these past uh really it's been a project that's been undergoing for about a year now. But um I, I tend to live a pretty entrepreneurial style lifestyle. I have my own film production company and I'm a recent college graduate and um uh, pool has always been a passion of mine, and I, it, it infuses a big part of my day, so I, I take on students in the local Miami area who I teach and instruct and um, work closely with my sponsors to kind of keep up to date with what they're doing and try and connect uh, them with the people that I um, work with here, and um, and it's just been something that's been kind of coming together, and now it, it's something that's realized through my site, which has been an important thing that I've been wanting to put together for a while now
3: now for for people who are listening and and they're at their computer the website is Linares, l i n a r e s ProPool.com. dot com um I like the site it's it's uh you know it, it looks very current but I think there's there's some interesting content in there i notice right on the front page you talk about the physical training that you do uh, mm. to prepare yourself for tournaments can you talk about that a little bit
5: absolutely um I think uh, a lot of the current um, top players, especially when you're looking at, at, at just the top end of the, the spectrum, you know, between guys like Shane and Mika and and people who um, are just really doing well in your game, they, they tend to also incorporate uh, a very attentive approach to their bodies and kind of maintaining the engine. That's what I call it um, uh, during play. And I learned through my experience kind of growing up that, Staying in shape and being in good condition is is a huge aspect of being able to maintain your focus and being able to maintain your energy and how that that translates into top-level performance uh, over a day, two days a week. Um, I've had a few grueling experiences where I've gone like a full week out at a tournament and playing long, long hours. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was in shape and working out regularly, then i just would have been run over by the, just a the schedule. And so um, it's something that I do a lot. I, I over the last few years, I've done a lot of CrossFit training, which for me is, is great because it incorporates a lot of cardiovascular um, exertion, a lot of lifting, um, Olympic weightlifting, stuff like that. And um, uh, it's really helped kind of put me in a good place where I can kind of go and travel and be attentive to what my needs are physically for a tournament and just be ready for everything that. That comes with it. So, that really helps kind of enforce the focus side. Nutrition is, is as big a deal, and that's a, a kind of like a, a, a big aspect that I encourage a lot of people to kind of learn about. It's just figuring out what works for your body as far as fuel and food and um, being smart about your intake during a tournament is a big deal too because, you know, it's tough when you get towards a end of an event and you're just crashing, and then you got to jam a bunch of carbs and sugar into your system just to kind of keep up and then. Sometimes you make it cross the line. Sometimes you don't. And then the drive home is pretty intense after that. But, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, it's just been a natural thing for me to want to just improve my body over time. i around a lot of fitness minded people where I'm at. And, um, it seems like a lot of the top players, even in Florida, Donnie Mills is kind of one of the first guys here that really got into weight training and, and staying in shape. And he had a big transition in his body before he kind of took off and started playing at a top, top level, um, and him and I talk about that kind of stuff and here and there, but yeah, it's, it's something that I try and incorporate at least um, at least four or five days out of the week, trying to make sure that I'm in, in shape and working
3: out. So not only do you have to put in the effort at the pool table to keep your game at a top level, but then you're also putting in the effort away from the pool table four or five times a week just to keep your body ready for a tournament.
5: Yeah, it's, it's something like for me, the way it translates directly, like I've, I've had times where I've, you know, let's say I've put in a personal record, a PR in a, in a big lift, let's say a squad or something. And for me, um, having something away from pool that I can focus on that's also difficult to do makes pool mentally less difficult for me. So like, if I'm in a situation where I gotta, you know, come with a tough out or to just really stay focused, uh, in a key part of the match and not break down mentally, Um, having something else that is a, is a physical and mental exertion as well. Kind of gives me perspective, um, makes those moments more, um, uh, I can keep them more under control for myself physically and mentally. So if I had a big week where I put in like a big number, I I squatted 320 pounds or something. I was like, all right, I I got this number for this amount of reps. That's awesome. Now I go to the pool table, it seems like, oh, you know, I broke my ankle racks. It's normal now. You know what I mean? It's not like a. Oh wow I put a I put a four pack it's such a you know huge deal or something or or I beat this player, it's, it for me the correlation is it translates directly it gives me kind of like a context of other areas in in my life where I'm being successful and achieving and so once you get used to that achievement mentality and reinforcing that achievement that achievement behavior it just it translates into other areas so
3: that's interesting um one of the things that I noticed on your website is you seem to put a little bit more emphasis, well, actually, you seem to put a lot more emphasis on uh, your sponsors and promoting your sponsors as opposed to some players, and, and I don't have any particular player in mind, but there seems to be the mentality in the pool world that once you have a sponsor, your work is done. But it appears as if you have a different way of looking at that
5: yeah um and that that really brings me to kind of like the whole um inception for the website as a whole um it's just in my opinion i think um i think as athletes in any industry um players who represent a brand of any kind it's incumbent upon that player to add as much value as they can to that relationship and um what i've seen just in general is that players will receive a sponsor. And then it goes, hey, I play with this thing. And then, you know, that's the end of the cycle. And, you know, the way a player performs um, can fluctuate over time, even top players can go a couple of years without winning uh, a big event. Like, suke had this, like, very notable gap in his performance where he, you know, I think it was, like, three three years ago, he had a, a, a noticeable dry spell. And he himself was talking about, wow, you know, I wish... I wish I, I, you know, or not that he wishes he could win, we all wish that we could win, but he just had a, no, a noticeable dry spell where he, he wasn't winning. And then that it, that happens at all levels, whether you're an amateur, or a professional, um, you're going to go through those spells. So if your only value that you're adding is your performance itself, then um, your sponsors are, are basically betting on you to just play well. Um, which the opposite is also true. You can go through years and just win everything. You know, Mika won everything, Shane has gone through those spurts, Apple can have a great. Stretchy years, all those guys have those spurts. But for the other, you know, majority of players who aren't in that cycle of just crushing everybody all the time, um, there has to be a deeper incentive um, just from them, I think, to just represent their brand. Who are they? And who do they represent? And how can they add the most value to that relationship? And my goal in this whole process has been. To basically close that circle and just create a, a circular pattern of providing value for the people who support me in my game, and also for the people who are interested in learning about these companies that represent that these players choose to kind of like just build their game around. Because um, for me, uh, it's a very personal relationship when I when I use equipment or 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 products from a company because. That's what I'm entrusting my game with. That's what I'm investing my time and my focus around. It becomes an extension of me. So I take it as a very personal relationship. When I say I play with OBQs or OB shafts, it's because I, I believe wholeheartedly that they're going to get me through the tough moments. I don't have to worry about uh, this shaft or, or or this jump key or whatever. I, I'm saying I believe in this piece of gear to let me jump this ball in against Tommy Kennedy and, and run out double Hill. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to put in X amount of hours to prepare for a big tournament because I'm – and it's going to be with this gear. So this is what I'm kind of centering my whole approach around. So the whole idea for the site was how do I create a platform that represents myself as a brand and also creates a relationship between myself and my sponsors that's visible for other people to see. It's not just this like, oh, yeah, I think he plays with that shaft. What does he think about it?
3: Let's say I'm – uh, a junior player, and I'm just mm-hmm. starting to make some noise, maybe at the the state championship level, and I'm starting to have people contact me about mm-hmm. playing with their cue or using their case. Um, how would you describe to a player like that how they need to view that relationship?
5: Um, well, in my experience, it was. It was kind of simple for me because I had already kind of started um, playing and using certain things. And then um, it, in the orig- at the beginning, I, I made it known that I wanted to grow in this kind of representation path. I just knew I wanted to kind of like have that be an option for me in the future. And I just started competing, getting comfortable and now achieving success. So they, in turn, reached back to me and said, hey, we want to formally represent you and give you um, a sponsorship uh, for that. So for me, it was kind of like I, it always boils down for me to relationships. So in, in that, in, the, in relationship um, at its core is based on trust. So I, I, would, I would advise younger players who are kind of starting to gain steam and learn about what this means that people are going to start want to kind of reach out and grab onto their success and use it to kind of say, hey, this person plays with my stuff. Um, to first and foremost, believe in the equipment. Uh, it, it's, I've seen it happen where players sign on to a key company or sign on to a brand, uh, to, to receive a deal for a year or two and then they're gone and they're playing with the exact opposite competitor, um, or or vice versa. And it just, it, to me, it discredits that player's stance. You know, it's, it's like politics. Somebody says, oh, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-choice. And then, they, you know, you see them on video doing the back and forth dance uh, when they're campaigning for other things. And I, I never want someone to get the feeling that I'm pandering to them um, because I have some kind of incentive. I'm I'm just kind of sharing what my experience is. And if that aligns with you wanting to get a piece of equipment and you trust that, then, then I can give you reasons why. So um, for me, it boils down to relationship. If you're going to, work with a, a company or a team then know that you should look at it as a strategic investment for yourself it's going to be part of who you are as a player and when you start thinking about what that means um on a in in the sense of like professionalism and presenting yourself to the billiards industry or to any industry um, those little pieces start putting together and kind of building a bigger picture of who you are so it it's not just like hey i play with this queue, which it can be um, but if you want to kind of have a growth in the industry and, and make yourself kind of more, um, uh, I guess, valuable to other people, they're going to want to say, okay, this person is, is pretty respectable and they're going to, they're going to represent this line for a while and we want to be a part of that. So, um, it just depends on what you want from the relationship and whether you see it growing over three, five, 10 years. So I would say to keep that in mind, and then make your decisions based on on that.
3: Okay. And and before we get too far along talking about uh, that relationship, uh, who are your sponsors?
5: Um, well, I currently have four main sponsors. Um, OBQs I've been with for the longest, and they're um, they're amazing for a lot of reasons. People who work with them and, and use your stuff know uh, about them and, and what they do. Um, I also am sponsored by Hustling USA. Um, they're just awesome. Tony Hargan is about as great a guy as there is in the industry as well. He's a really cool guy, and him and his wife work really hard um, to kind of provide quality clothing that's comfortable and professional-looking for people in, in pool. And it can also be you know, fun and relaxing and, and urban. So it kind of touches on this cornerstone of, like, the style and this aesthetic that is very ingrained in pool. Uh, I connect with them a bunch Um and just like their work ethic and how hard they work and It's kind of how I approach doing a lot of things. So in, in that regard, hustling in, in very um literal translation is kind of how I connect with them. I've always been very hard work oriented and, and Tony's a lot like that. And he had some success in athletics and, you know, being a former collegiate football and basketball player. And I think he was in the NFL as well for a little while. So it just cool people. Um, recently, I just signed on with uh, JB Cases. They provided a really beautiful case for me um, that they custom made for my gear, my equipment, and it's been just awesome. Really quality um, cases, and at the price point, I think they speak a lot to like the amateur players or people who are in leagues and um, people who who travel a lot. And that was always a concern for me. Thankfully, I never had an issue with my cues and my soft cases that I used to have before or bags really I call them bags now because I, I have a proper case in it it you know my cues aren't going to go anywhere and that's that's for me it's just a, a a good feeling to have that and then of course there's break rack who I've really used um um their products for a, a long long i probably say about six years and uh they took me from not having a break at all to being able to play on a seminal tour and Allowing me to finish top ten and beat guys like Justin Hall and Tommy Kennedy and and big players because I was I developed a proper ten ball break uh, using using that piece of equipment. So um, those are my four main sponsors right now.
3: Okay, and I noticed that there are a handful of player sites out there where you can purchase product. Um, I noticed that. People can purchase products from your sponsors here on your site. Um, tell me why, as a buyer, I should buy uh, my next Hustling USA shirt from your site.
5: Um, I, I think part of it uh, again boils down to relationship. Um, one of the things that I really like, um, and I hope this is a growing trend as far as the way players kind of develop their brand is that they do take on the responsibility of representing their products to their fans and followers. And that if those people do want to get something for them, they can go to that player and support that player directly. So that's always one thing that I think is, is a good um, deal about, about picking stuff up uh, from a player who's directly uh, sponsored uh, is that you get to invest in that player's career and they, they, they won't make a lot from your individual person purchase, but it'll be, it, it'll be a, a, a a step in the right direction for them to, you know, cover gas for the next tournament or help, you know, make an entry fee for a big event, um, cover expenses for their site, that kind of stuff is good. Um, But also uh, one of the things I'm going to be providing through my site in the future is um, video reviews. Um, And that's going to be kind of like I'm a filmmaker and photographer by trade. That's what I do. And, you know, know how to do that. So one of the things that I want to do through my site is have a YouTube channel that I can provide video reviews on these products and give people kind of more of an in-depth understanding of what makes the product good, why the product is why the product is awesome, uh, why the product is of the quality, why I use it, and then embed that in my blog so they can read and have more information as well um, for their own personal knowledge. So my goal is to kind of provide as much value as I can. I'm also going to try and give you the best price that I can. Um, as a player, um, especially for people that I, I may not know, but who do kind of connect with me online on social media and that whole deal, um, a lot of what I'm going to be doing is just trying to build connections with them and get to know who they are what they need and provide for them just the best value that I can. So going to a player um, to do that, and these are all reasons why that's a good thing. And I have this trusted relationship with um, these brands. They've empowered me to do just that, to to resell their products and to, um, you know, provide these products to other people who who may not directly have contact with their site. But because they see that I'm wearing a Huston shirt, they'll come up to me and be like, Hey, you know, where'd you get that polo? we like that polo. Um, I want to get one for my son. Uh, He's, he, you know, he's playing in a tournament soon and I want to get him a few shirts. Um, Now they're connecting me to the brand and we're building a connection that Kind of creates this circle of just you know trust between all, all three parties, and I think all of that is is really really at, at the core of how you grow an industry and how you grow relationship with people, is giving giving
3: that. You mentioned your blog, and I that was something mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on while we were talking. Um, I I looked at the entry that you made from about a week ago from a tournament that you had played in. And I really liked how you broke down certain situations at the table and how you approached them and how you shot that. Um, is that the sort of thing that we'll see more of on the blog in the future?
5: yeah um absolutely i i i um I want to be as transparent as I can with um, players and with people who are growing in the sport, and um the blog is just kind of going to be like an open vessel for that where i'll i'll have situations that pop up in competitive play and this is just one example of things that i saw as a as a pattern coming up throughout the day of the tournament um the the blog entry i think uh, you're talking about is playing strong off the rail um yeah and um that's something that i definitely want to include on the blog um over the next You know, a few months, definitely want to incorporate that. And as I have, you know, more and more tournament uh, stuff to come up, I'll have have different takeaways. And I'll I'll just provide those openly on the blog. I'm also going to be um, sharing an original story series. I have one story series I started last year uh, with NYC Grind um, talking about, um, you know, just it's called the series called Portrait of a Pooling Owner. And I did my first feature article on Mike Bengali from Bengali Beards in Tallahassee, and I have uh, three more that I have queued up. But um, you know, NYC Grind had its sabbatical that it's taken, and um, I, you know, the, the the series just never grew from there. So having the blog myself gives me the freedom to just write openly and share what I think are cool um, things going on, especially in Florida. Um, in our area, we have such a colorful and a very dense um, pool community even though it's it's kind of spread out because it's such a big state um when we get to tournaments and stuff like tony crosby's photo tour events um there's a lot of uh just communication and, and cool things that happen with cool characters so i'll have original stories that i'll share um i'm also going to be um just posting insights and um and and video reviews as well. So there's definitely going to be the trading articles, uh, the video reviews, and original stories and series that I just come up with as a writer and and, and filmmaker. Um, they may eventually take shape as, as mini-documentaries and stuff like that. Um, that all depends on how much time I have um, to do that and um, whether somebody wants something like that created and that whole deal. So it, it'll be a growing landing place for all that. Um, I'll be able to review products and training articles and the whole deal with people who follow and subscribe. So,
3: Okay. And this, this question isn't really about your website, but you mentioned the Florida pool scene. You know, there was a time years ago where I think a lot of players looked at everything that was going on in Florida. I mean, you guys had a pro tour, you had a one pocket tour, you, you had, and the, the level of play there was so high with with Varner and Buddy Hall and players like that is, mm-hmm. is the Florida pool scene still happening at that level?
5: Um, well, I don't know if anything could ever happen at the level of Buddy Hall and, and Nick <laughs> Varner and those guys, those guys were just awesome. And people ask me sometimes who my top five ball players ever are. And I always put Buddy as number one for a few different reasons, but uh, that's a, separate story. But yeah, the, the Florida pool scene, I think um, there, there's there's a few uh, scenes that are kind of like in the middle of a resurgence of, of sorts. Um, Florida's pool scene is, is, um, is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not, um, we don't get the high dollar events as much like as when we had the seminal tour. Obviously, they were instrumental in kind of like having a really strong thriving influx of, of touring pros that would just come. I know at one point we had Stevie Moore as a regular, Corey duel Those guys were like constantly going back and forth for the one and two spot on the tour. And um, um, it's it's not necessarily at that level, but we do have um, a really tough caliber of play here. I mean, you know, you have Donnie Mills, you have Tommy Kennedy, former U.S. Open nine ball champion, Tony Crosby, former pro. Um, you know, a lot of really tough, tough top pro guys and then you have this secondary class of really top flight amateur players um, who are just getting comfortable competing against this small this small group of you know you know certifiable pro level players um, so it's it's nice Tony's tour is a big deal as to why the Florida Colt, uh, scene is still active and, and doing um, well so Crosby does a lot for us um, and uh, there's also uh, a couple of pool room owners who do a lot. So um, I would say that um, Mike Zingali is one of them in Tallahassee. He does quite a bit for pool and hosts uh, uh, five or six tournaments, usually a year that are all pretty top-notch um, events. Uh, Rocky McElroy at Capone's is just about as old school and about as awesome as you can get um, as far as pool room owners. And I, I'd venture to say that, um, with the respect to any pool room owner in the country, he's about as, as mindful of his players and about as caring of his players as they come. And then um, I'd also say that um, uh, James in uh, in Cape Coral, Florida, he just put on a recent little bar table tournament there. and He loves pool quite a bit. And um, uh, also um, Jose Del Rio at Stokers um, is awesome. He puts on a few events. He hosts the U.S. Amateurs every year. Uh, over at Tampa at Stropers and has a great kitchen and loves pool and sports the So there's the handful of really good uh, pool and runners. There's a couple others as well, but you know, th- between them and Crosby um, the Florida pool scene is, is, is pretty, is pretty decent right now. Um, it's one big or two big corporate sponsors away from being something that could, that could be really awesome. Um, start comparing itself to bigger tours and bigger sports like golf or something like that. But they're they're laying the foundation for that and doing really good work. So,
3: all right. Um, you talked about the website and and some of your goals as far as the uh, the product side of things. Can mm-hmm. you elaborate a little bit on short term and then long term goals for the website itself?
5: Yeah, um, I mean. Th- the biggest thing is that I I want to I, I want to serve the pool community um, in in as many ways as I can. I have you know this skill set of different things that I can do, and the site is something that I want to be um, a venue where I can kind of combine those things and provide either an example for other players on how they should approach their brand and start thinking about themselves as a brand because I, I I've branded myself now and. Um, and I'm attracting new sponsors and I'm in communications with a few different companies about growing my sponsor base. So I'm going to, with that, um, you know, provide more and more value to people who subscribe and and kind of look to me to to grab some materials for their game. Um, But I also want to take and make pool something that's self-sustaining for me um, and that allows me to go and travel and compete. So on a personal level, I, you know, as an American pool player, the, the top of what we have to aspire to is the Moscone Cup. That's that's really what we have. And I think anybody who is in pool in this country would agree that that's just the top of of, of the sphere for us as American players. It's the closest thing you have to Olympics. It's the closest thing we have, you have know, to um, to a Ryder Cup or anything like that. It's, it's our avenue to showcase our skills as a country against the best in the world. And Europe is doing and showing that when you focus on that, you can get really great results. So for me, my personal dream would be to be able to compete in all the points events and have a chance to earn a spot on the team. So that would be kind of the big picture goal for me as a player, Um, just as somebody who's running the site and as an ambassador for pool and somebody who really loves the sport, I'd love for the site to provide knowledge for up and coming players. I'd love to use it as a platform in the future to kind of help and aspire um aspiring players uh give them kind of like a, a, a map of what how to grow themselves in the sport, how to chase down titles, how to represent themselves properly, how to gain sponsorships and make that whole process easier for them. Um and eventually empower them to kind of grow and, and not just get free gear but also, you know, get monetary reimbursement for their efforts because this is a very difficult sport to to, to get good at. Um, on a personal level, I really, the ACY collegiate nationals was amazing for me. I have three collegiate national titles and I'm tied all time for the record, um, for that. Landon's, uh, chasing it down as we speak. And part of me wishes I would go back and just lock horns him to keep them from, or try to keep him. I don't know if anybody can keep him from getting to me, um, this coming year because he's such a great player. Um, but uh, in my experience, I was one of the few people who I had a school, I, I went to my media college and they didn't have a, a, they didn't recognize, uh, my involvement in collegiate nationals, um, as a sport. They have like two or three sport teams that they like support and that's it. So I tried to get my school to kind of support me financially to go travel to these events and they ended up not being able to do that. And that's fine. I still paid for my own way and went and, um, you know, I think I mentioned to you before, uh, at one point, I went to a tournament, my second Nationals, went to Nationals, snapped off the tournament. They gave me $1,000 scholarships, but I still was stuck 200 or $300 for the trip um, because of just airfare was expensive and that whole deal. Um, but it was, um, it was a little worth it for me. Um, but what I would like to do is that in the future, if I have a really successful business growing out of the site, of uh, the brand, then I'd love to create like a scholarship fund for uh, students who are going to be traveling to Creek nationals to have a, a travel fund that they can use and utilize to um, to go to these events and not have to kind of take the, the burden of a three or $400 plane ticket when they're, you know, 18 years old to try to go compete and, and win a national title. Um, that would be something that I'd love to do. I'd love to help also with juniors and all their stuff. I really think that developing the youth is a big, Uh, deal uh, as far as the longevity of our sport is concerned, uh, creating a a program and a path for young kids to be able to grow and and get mentorship and learn about the game is awesome. And I think there's been a, especially with Mark Wilson's efforts, there's been kind of like a focus on doing that. And uh, a handful of the programs have really stepped up and and made that easier and been more kind of attentive to doing stuff like that. Um, But I think as a whole, and as an industry, it would be, would uh, behoove us to kind of really make sure to get behind the young players and and give them a, a channel, an avenue to follow for success. Um, and yeah, just that that short term would be that just you know kind of have a successful site where I can help and, and gain and gain subscribers and get interactive with my audience, and provide knowledge, provide um, information for them on the, on my sponsors. Um, for myself as a player, and love to go compete. Um, that's really the the big goal for me. And then also just to kind of get back and, and make it easier in the future for young players to do the same.
3: Lastly, I want to move away from the website a little bit and just talk more about, uh, personally, uh, what is your schedule like? Where are people going to be able to see you out there competing in the next, I don't know, six months? Um, well... For me personally, I'm spending a lot of my time in
5: Florida in the competition sphere. Um, just right now, the, the Florida Pool Tours is, is a great place. They have um, a partnership with this team called XTC, Extreme Pool Challenge. They're based out of Cocoa Beach. and may travel, usually to most of the events, and do multi-table HD streaming of each of the events. So I get to compete um, against some of the, the top players in our area. Um during those events, a lot of times you'll catch me on stream there, um, which is awesome. Um, I'd really like to say that I can go compete in the U.S. Open this year um, and, and you know, hit hit up the Maker Points events. Uh, they're expensive for me right now. and I just started the site, so I don't foresee that being possible fully this year. I definitely want to see that that is possible all of next year. Um, And that's what my goal is, to kind of provide uh, a nice fund that I can use to go and compete with all those things. Um, There's a a few events here in Florida. There's some bar table events that are coming up, which I want to really start kind of getting more involved in. Um, We don't have bar tables as of yet in Miami. I know there's one pool that's finally going to open up that's going to have some diamonds and some bar tables. So that'll be a first from Miami, which is great um, because we don't have any diamonds and or bar tables (laughs) in the city, which is tough because now it's always really, really good, big kind of bar table events. And you got to kind of get in stroke on those to have a chance to deal with guys like Skyler who are just, you know, behemoths on the bar table. They just, they just, just run people and torture them and all this stuff. So if I have any kind of inclination of doing good in those events, I got to get around them more and just incorporate them into my play. Uh, I had been doing a lot more three and playing in the last year. um, And that's really helped a, a big deal. So I'd love to go to New York and play in a couple of those events. Ira Lee out of Cam Cafe does um, some big events, and I'd love to see kind of like the billiard community and the pool community uh, kind of merge a little bit better. The USBA and um, the BCA, all these people who kind of just run pool and billiards are very separate right now. At Valley Forge, you kind of see them come together a little bit, but um, there's, you know, talk about some of the top three cushion players probably making a trip down to Derby city and torturing a lot of the pool players and some of the games and some of the sports like bank pool. How do I lose at this game? You know, I'm used to chopping up the rail into like a thousand pieces or whatever and putting my cue ball and my object ball exactly where I want them. And uh, so a lot of it would would be fun to kind of see how the ability players would deal with one pocket or deal with bank pool and that kind of thing. Um, So I'd love to be able to go to those events and, and do that. But definitely in Florida, for sure, I'll be traveling around to the big events throughout this year and trying to, to to make a way to go um, at least one or two events um, outside of the state this year at some point. And then uh, next year will be a full run at at, at the Moscone Cup events. That's really where um, my heart is, and that's what I want to do to kind of grow and stretch. I'm in this like, weird space of like middle ground between amateur and pro, and like I'm in this like lost realm of you know, I don't know, nomadic herd of like these semi-pro guys who don't know <laughs> or don't have an avenue to kind of go compete regularly against the top guys. But um it's fun when I do get a few months uh, to go do that. I know last year I had a few spurts where I had some really good results against top guys. I beat Donnie Mills finally at a big event. I put a three or four on him in the 10 ball tournament, uh, Tony's event. I beat Tony Cros- I beat, uh, Tommy Kennedy twice last year and Tony Crosby three times and Adam Leather a few times. And, you know, a lot of our top guys, you know, I've knocked them down at least once uh, in the state. So now it's I just got to get out and, you know, try and do the same against the top, top guys. I, you know, I haven't played Earl yet. I haven't played Darren Appleton yet. I haven't played uh, Shane or Corey in a long time. So, um, you know, it's just part of what you need to do to grow. So that's a
3: goal of mine. Well, it sounds great. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you out there, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the website grows. Uh, I want to thank you for taking some time and talking to us today.
5: Yeah, no, the pleasure was mine. I mean, I, I could sit here and talk to you about this forever, but I really appreciate you taking the time and, and talking to me about you know about the site and, and, and just in, including me into your broadcast. I really appreciate it, and I think we all appreciate what you do for pool. So thank you
3: so much. Anytime. Um, looking forward to talking to you in the future, and we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on how you're doing out there in the, the events out in Florida. All right, everybody, that was Raymond Linares, and again, his website is www.linares, L-I-N-A-R-E-S, propool.com. Check it out. That's it, everybody. Uh, we will be back here in a week or so as soon as we've got something new to talk about. Thanks.